Good morning, Sac City. Thanks for following wherever you download your podcast. You want to see what this city has to offer? Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button for the best NFL content on the interwebs. Sac City, baby! Sack City. Welcome into another edition of the Sack City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukesiah Mukes. It is a beautiful August 5th morning here in the city. Episode 63 is about to kick off. And guess what kicked off last night? It was the return of football, the return of Thursday night football, the return of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the return of just greatness. And it wasn't even that great of a game. Obviously, first game of preseason, never that phenomenal. But just the fact that we have football back is just so special. Aaron, how goes this morning? Uh, I'm pumped, man. I'm I'm so pumped. Best time of the year. Uh, I sat at my desk at work and I put my feet up and I watched basically the entire preseason game. And um, it's not something I do often. I usually turn the game off around halftime, third quarter, not because I'm not interested in those third, you know, third string, fourth string guys, just because I got some other things I got to take care of. And it's not obviously an overly important game. A lot of those guys will never see an NFL field or or make a roster. But um, but yesterday, man, I, I was just so excited to watch that I sat there and I watched basically the entire game. I saw the Lutons of the world make plays. I saw the Amir Abdullah sightings that we see, hey. seems to see every preseason, <laughs> starting from his rookie year, if you remember that time um, yeah. when he came out and he had some plays in the preseason that we were all wowing about. So uh, it, it was good, though. But, you know, I, I was surprised. And I'll just say this now before we get into it. I was surprised at a couple of players that were on the field that I didn't think should have been on the field. Oh, let's get we'll get into that game in, in, in just a few moments here, though. But again, we have a great show ahead of us. Uh, we're going to recap the Thursday night football game between the Jaguars and the Las Vegas Raiders last night. We're also going to be diving into the NFC East, our final training camp deep dive before we really, really get into football season and our predictions that will come next week. And we ended on the NFC East with the Cowboys, Commanders, Eagles and Giants, their training camp. But Let's do it. Let's get right into the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Las Vegas Raiders, the Hall of Fame game last night where the Raiders defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 27 to 11. Aaron, what stood out to you the most in last night's contest between these two teams? Uh, The the most that stood out, what stood out to me the most? I'll I'll say it. I'm going to be biased, whatever. Uh, It was Trayvon Walker. It was the number one overall pick. There is no preseason game that we talk about that, we don't mention, oh, where's the number one pick? What is he doing? Is he going to be as productive as we thought? A guy who wasn't very productive in college, how is he going to be producing in the NFL? And we saw it. Not only did we see it on this sack, but we saw it the very first snap of the game. And what is that sound that I am hearing? I'm sorry. I, is, 
I am on a site and it just messed up my entire. Oh, life. I thought I heard somebody in my ear. I thought it was you and it was me. There was oh, a site in the background. Uh, sorry, but not only did he have an impact when he made the sack, but he had an impact the very first play of the game. And I know they called roughing the passer, but he got to the quarterback. He grazed the quarterback's helmet and they were making an example of, hey, rookie, this is how it is in the NFL. It's preseason. We're going to call that. But they dedicated blockers to him. He looked like he was able to get to the passer. And that's what we were looking for. It's not strictly about sacks, although he did get one. But I thought that he looked really good. I thought that he looked aggressive and intense, exactly what we wanted from him. So what was most exciting for me was Trayvon Walker and his kind of debut in that Jackson, especially without some of their guys um, anchoring behind him at the linebacker. Yeah, and we talk about it all the time, and it's not to, not to compare Trayvon Walker to a guy like Aaron Donald, but we talk about how those special pass rushers, even when they're not getting to the quarterback and getting the sacks, they're taking away offensive linemen and opening up space for other pass rushers to go in and make plays. And we saw that all night, really, with, with the Jags, especially when Trayvon Walker was on the field. He was pulling guys away, and this was just his first game. Obviously, he got that sack, but... I felt like the Jaguars throughout the game had very consistent pressure on the quarterback. You see Arden Key with two sacks. The team ended up finishing up with five sacks total in the game. Uh, this team got to the quarterback, and that was nice to see uh, from the Jaguars side because they haven't had that in the past as much. It's really just been Josh, uh, Josh Allen there, and, and that's really just been their their only sense of pressure since 2017 in the Saxonville days. Um, so it was nice to see, although it was preseason, it is still fun to to watch Arden Key and Trayvon Walker and those guys get after the quarterback. Now, one other note on the Jacksonville side of things before we switched over to the Raiders side is last year, one key thing I noticed through all of preseason and I was like, okay, I hope this changes for the Jaguars during the regular season, and it really didn't, was the protection of the quarterback. Last year in the first preseason game, the Jaguars were sacked four times, tackle for a loss five times against the Cleveland Browns in week, in week one of the preseason. Now, no, I know it's just preseason. I don't have to go too deep on this. But tonight, the Jaguars offensive line, although it was backups, looked very solid against a Raiders defense who obviously no Max Crosby, no big time Chandler Jones there. They still looked solid. They only allowed one sack, only two tackles for a loss in this game. That's something that as a Jaguars fan, you have to be happy about to finally see your quarterback, whether it be Jake Luton or Trevor Lawrence back there, getting that protection because that's that's the biggest thing. They went out and they got they re-signed Cam Robinson. They went out and signed Luke, uh, drafted Luke Fortner. These these are the moves that they're making to try and build and protect your prized possession of Trevor Lawrence. Although he wasn't out there, they still did a very good job against this Raiders team. Uh, and that was something that was really glaring to me. On the Raiders side of things, what was the thing that stood out to you the most for a Josh McDaniels first debut game? Um, I wasn't surprised by a lot, but I was surprised to see Josh Jacobs even playing. Um, I know we had talked about they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Maybe they would run him into the ground this year. But I, I was surprised that he was out there and there was no Derek Carr. There was no Devontae Adams. There were, you know, there was none of these weapons out there. But I'll tell you what, he looked explosive. And I know he only ran the ball a few times, and that's kind of pretty typical of, of a preseason game, but he looked really explosive. He averaged, you know, six yards a clip. He was, he was good. He looked light and quick. And um, he looked like the Josh Jacobs that, that I expect from 
from him this season. And it wasn't just Josh Jacobs. It was that entire running game. I mean, yeah. I don't want to attribute it to the Raiders being really great at running the football. Because, again, I mentioned the linebackers that were not there for the Jaguars, the Aluakons, the, you know, Devin Lloyd wasn't there. Like, these guys in the middle really weren't there. Um, so I expect them to be better in that department. But I thought the Raiders up front attacked really well. They got off. They got into their blocks. They got to the second level, and there were some big holes for those running backs. And I just really liked what Josh Jacobs and both uh, and Samir White did um, on the ground. It's something I think that the Raiders are going to rely on. I don't think they're going to be some spread it out, throw it all around the yard offense just because they got Devontae Adams. I think they lean heavily on Josh Jacobs this year in that run game. And then you see a lot of play action, mixed in a wall or mixed in a Hunter Renfro. And obviously you got to go to guy Devontae Adams. So um, the offense of the Raiders without their star guys, I, I thought looked okay. I thought they looked pretty decent for the most part. Um, outside of maybe the pass protection, as you mentioned. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I was, I was, I thought they did a lot more than I expected. They came in some formations that, you know, it wasn't as vanilla as most teams come out in preseason game number one. So uh, kudos to, to uh, what McDaniels is doing there saying, Hey, you know what? I'm not messing around this time, this time as a head coach, I got a, a job to do and I'm, I'm all about business. Do you think this was a telling sign for what we what is to come with Josh Jacobs? Now we talk about like the starters not being in, no Davante Adams, no Derek Carr on the offense side of the ball for the Jaguars. There really wasn't much of their normal starters in as well. But Josh Jacobs is there in game one of preseason. Do you think that's kind of going to be a telling sign? We we talked about it when we were previewing this team, thinking that they didn't lock they didn't extend josh jacobs they didn't they didn't sign up for that fifth year option so this may be a season where josh mcdaniel says okay josh jacobs we are going to run you into the ground before we say goodbye to you and move on to a zamir white do you think this was a telling sign i think it was a telling sign but i don't think it was a telling sign in that way and i'm gonna be honest i don't think this was mcdaniel's call josh jacobs loves football he hates to miss games he said it before He's played injured. I think this was Josh Jacobs probably lobbying to McDaniels. Hey, man, let me go play the first couple of series, get some run under my belt, because I think he loves football that much. This is a guy that it's hard to get him off the field. He plays hurt. Uh, I don't know if this is like the Raiders saying we're going to run him into the ground, because if that's the case, you're not running him into the ground in preseason. You yeah. want to run him into the ground once the regular season starts. I think this is Josh Jacobs saying, I have a, a, a contract that's coming up. I want to prove what I'm worth. I want to be on the field as much as possible. And that starts with preseason game number one. So shout out to whoever made that call, who was confident enough in that running game and that those backups to say, you know what, if Josh Jacobs does get hurt, we're still confident we can make something happen, even if it was his own call. So, uh, but I, I liked what I saw all the way around from the Raiders running game, from Josh McDaniels, the way that offense looked. Um, they, they were impressive for, for preseason. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought they were very. It was a very consistent rushing attack all throughout the game. I mean, you saw Zamir White in this game. He played. I thought he was the best running back for for the Raiders. Although he didn't really kill it in the stats, he was eleven for fifty two, uh, no touchdowns, and he, he just he just seemed like he was comfortable. And I was high on Zamir White coming into the draft when he got drafted. The Raiders, I said, okay, this might be a dude who comes in and takes over for Josh Jacobs. Once he leaves, they like him. And I think one of the biggest things here, I know it's preseason, but I think we know, we know that the Raiders passing game is going to be good with Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. We know that 
it is great to see the Raiders getting those valuable reps in preseason for their very rushing attack to also get that into a nice rhythm before week one of the regular season. And we saw it from, from their entire team. I mean, 33 total carries for 159 yards and three touchdowns as a whole on the ground. That to me says they're they're really going to be pushing this run, rushing attack at least for the preseason before they let Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, and company cook. So Raiders beat the Jaguars though, twenty-seven to eleven. Anything else on this game before we move on to our uh, injury report? No, I, I just thought honestly, I thought it was a pretty well played first preseason game. The Jaguars offense struggled, uh, but they did move the ball a few times and had a couple of turnovers, which indicates you know youth and sloppy play at times offensively and I did mention I thought the defenses would be ahead of the offenses and I thought they were for the most part Raiders run game was good but their pass game wasn't special um Jaguars defense played pretty well for the most part um I I I thought it went as as expected outside of the score being reversed right I thought I thought the Jaguars would win but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna denounce my name in preseason week one as the Mucciah just because I got this one wrong. It's preseason. I'll probably get every preseason game. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, hopefully the Jaguars will give us a little bit more wins uh, during, during the off season. We did see some injuries in that game. I mean, Tyson Campbell did go down. Kenyon Drake went down. I think all of those guys are, are doing okay. Uh, but just definitely wanted to note that. And you brought up the fact that these starters were in that may not have shouldn't that that might not have, should have been well, in if that words are hard. Um, you know what I mean, though. Tyson Campbell needed to be in the game. He needs work. Yes. Um, that which yes. again, it's unfortunate, but you got to have him on the field because he needs more snaps. Kenyon Drake, I already felt like he was falling off after the injury that he suffered last year. I didn't think that he was going to be a huge factor this year. Zamir White coming in, um, it would not shock me if he leapfrogs over Kenyon Drake, and Kenyon Drake is an afterthought. Um, you know, by the middle of the season. But uh, overall, Keelan Cole got hurt. He's, he got, you know, a concussion or he took a hit to the head. They don't know if it's a concussion yeah. hit or not. Um, also in this game. So some, some injuries, but nothing. I think we escaped week game one without any catastrophic torn ACLs, that's, you know, th- those type of injuries. And I think that's what people are really concerned about. Po- positives that we didn't come out with with anything too bad but let's go around the league let's take a look at the other injury reports for all the other 30 teams in the league what does it look like on this beautiful friday morning yeah um the the most devastating is is this was reported late late last night um matt gono of the of the of the giants looks like he has a career-ending injury he missed all of last season had surgery to fix his neck uh he took the practice field beginning earlier this week but symptoms gonna felt before the surgery came back and flared up. And now they're talking about he's seeing a specialist. Um, he's been now possibly looking at a career ending injury. And uh, that, I don't want to say it's big for the giants, but just unfortunate for an NFL player who's trying to get back. And the giants have had offensive line issues. So any type of offensive line depth that they're losing could be big there. Um, Logan Wilson had offseason shoulder surgery. He finally got into training camp. So, they're looking to kind of ease him back um, in Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we also saw, we talked about Tim Patrick and Jordan Poirier, but Amari Cooper missed some time with an ankle injury. But I think this is about management over the course of training camp. We see Amari kind of get nicked up oftentimes, but he's kind of been able to work his way in and out um, of lineups. And then Irv Smith, we talked about his injury the other day. Kevin O'Connell says he did have a uh, thumb surgery, but he should be ready for week one. Um, that officially came from Kevin O'Connell now uh, a couple of days ago. So. 
some some minor things, nothing too crazy outside of the Tim Patrick ACL at this point. But we have to remember, training camps are just ramping up. Next week, we really get into first preseason games. Guys are trying to earn jobs. There's going to be some significant injuries. We just hope and pray every week or every day that it's nobody that's super important and that it's nothing catching. Yeah, yeah, but there is one there is one player that's kind of been battling a little some some in Matthew Stafford with the Los Angeles Rams. He has been battling a an, an elbow injury. Aaron, can you elaborate on this and tell us what this is what is actually happening in Los Angeles with Matthew Stafford and if it's going to matter or rear its ugly head during the regular season? Yeah, it's uh it's tendonitis. And you know, tendonitis is something that can flare up oftentimes. And there's no rhyme or reason. And I think, I think when you talk about most players in the NFL, you're not really worried about some tendonitis flaring up. A guy can rest, a guy can come back and still perform his job. But we're talking about a quarterback who has to throw the football. And that elbow injury, having that tendonitis, um, is going to be an issue for him. And it could be something that lingers. He's been limited in workload in camp. He had an injection in his elbow. Uh, but they're trying to kind of manage him and have this plan in place so that he's ready for week one but he's still having pain in his throwing arm. And let's be honest, pain in the throwing arm is never a good thing. We saw the shoulder with Dak Prescott injury last year and he was having trouble throwing. He had to miss some time. I think when you're talking about an elbow pain, it's a little bit, it's, it's just concerning. It's not a baseball injury, right? You're talking about elbow injuries are usually baseball things. You don't usually find quarterbacks having elbow injuries, but um, he does now. And, and that's something that for me, I would be concerned for an important player like Matt Stafford who knows that, as the Rams or as Stafford goes, the Rams go. So um, I think they're going to be very, very cautious. with him. I do not expect Matt Stafford to play at all. In the and I think yeah. that's the biggest thing here. Let him rest. Give him the four weeks. You don't need to see this guy who's a veteran in the league play in the preseason, even if they're a little bit off on timing and things with new guys. I think that he'll be OK. <laughs> I think that he'll be OK. Him and Allen Robinson will be able to figure out the timing thing as the season Man. goes on. Because you want him ready for that week one matchup. If they don't have him week one against the Bills, just write L on the calendar now. And I already said it's going to be an L, but write it in a bigger, bolder, uh, you know, Sharpie now because it, it's there's no way they're beating Buffalo that first game of the season. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I, I'm ha- I like that you brought up uh, Allen Robinson, though. That dude has been highlight reel, an, an absolute highlight reel during camp so far with one-handed catches. And he looks good, man. It could be the return of A-Rob. Uh, the the old A Rob, not the Chicago Bears A Rob, but the old A Rob that killed it. Whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa, whoa! He had good years in Chicago. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he only had one great year in Jacksonville. Let's not try to go all the way back to his his prime I'm, good I'm years. T- when I'm it was telling one you, year though, Alan Robinson is going to be a very, very good player with Los Angeles Rams. He's going to be a wide receiver two in fantasy. I'm going to say that he's going to be a, a low end wide receiver two in fantasy. And uh, you, you heard it here first. That's what I'm, I'm kind of sinking my, uh, that's where I'm, I'm staking claim to. I'm putting my flag in the Allen Robinson hype train here. He's going to be great. Let's play some music. Let's play some jams. Yeah, you're going to have to give it to me because you sound like shit. That's right. It's Sac City Pod, and you know what you can do. You can follow us on all those wonderful social platforms. That's right. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where Vinny is dropping the reels, and those reels are hot right now. So be sure you go on there, check those reels out, share them, and make sure you follow the page also. And then head over to YouTube. Click that link in the bio. Head over to YouTube and subscribe there. And then when you're done with that, 
type in TikTok or hit the app TikTok. Go over there and check out those same reels on our TikTok page and hit save and share and like and all that good stuff because we're dropping all the social content. And be sure if you're following us on the audio platform, listening to us daily, leave us a review. Leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Just tell us how right we are. And then, of course, it's Good Morning Sex City each and every Wednesday through Friday, uh, subject to change at any time. 10 a.m. <laughs> Eastern time. And, you know, we, we always tell you good. Wake up with us. Hashtag DM. Let's just break it to him right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to enter a new uh, uh, the uh, season two of a Sac City podcast. We've been in the off season. We're about to we enter. Have two, we, have, we have levels. We have two levels coming out here over the next month that, that we're going to get into. So we're, it's really going to start ramping. Yeah. It, it, the coverage is going to be extraordinary from the Sac City podcast. You're not going to want to be anywhere else but right here in the city. And you brought up one thing I want to kind of stress. I just really want to stress it. Not going to get in the face of the people at home, but I just want to stress it. Please make sure you subscribe and like our page on YouTube. Please just share, tell your friends. Let's grow our YouTube community. Let's get the chats buzzing. Let's get the comment sections going on our on our clips. Uh, we want to be a place for everybody to come in and enjoy, talk sports, argue sports, whatever you want to do in the comment section of a Sac City video. We will allow it. Please just share, subscribe, and like. Support the boys. It is now time, though, to get into our NFC East, our final training camp preview here, starting off with your Dallas Cowboys, Aaron. And honestly, I wanted to keep things simple here. The Dallas Cowboys have been rolling through camp. They've had a few bad injuries coming at the wide receiver position here and there. They, they I've been hearing a lot of talk about how the veterans are stepping up. CeeDee Lamb has been looking good. Dak's been looking good. But I'm keeping this real simple here for you. There's no like deep question. There's no special analysis that I'm looking for. I want to know from you, from a fan standpoint, because that's who's watching these videos. You're a Cowboys fan. The people that are watching this clip are Cowboys fans. Why don't you tell them what you have been most impressed by at Cowboys camp? I've been impressed by C.D. Lamb. Um, and, you know, I'm not a big guy on on – the young star that's going to come out and take over the, you know, Amari Cooper is gone, but I have really been impressed by CD lamb, especially in a wide receivers group that is extremely young. Now it's not the, the veteran of Amari Cooper. It's now CD lamb and Michael Gallup as kind of these veteran leaders, James Washington, who had been in the league long time um, now is injured. So he's out of the picture. So you have Jalen Tolbert, Michael Gallup, who's coming off of an injury and CD lamb and CD lamb has to kind of spearhead that, that, that wide receiver group as we move forward. And I think the connection with him and Dak Prescott have, there's a, a trending video out there today showing CeeDee Lamb just burning uh, Trayvon Diggs for a touchdown, which, and then all the Trayvon Diggs haters came out. But let's be honest, CeeDee Lamb was one of the most explosive receivers coming out of college. He fell to Dallas in their lap. They didn't think they would be able to get him. They decided to take him and said, you know what, let's add a weapon for Dak Prescott. It allowed them to move on from an Amari Cooper. And now, He's looking to take that next step. So I think this is the year that, that people thought he would have last year. I think that year is this year. I think the breakout time is coming. I think that connection with Dak Prescott is building. But I, the Dallas Cowboys have kind of been under the radar. And let's, let's, this is what I really want to talk about, is how much under the radar the Cowboys are, which they shouldn't be talked about. They should not be. They don't deserve to be talked about as, oh, they're a Super Bowl contender, because they're not. Because we talk about them year after year after year. 
but I don't think there's been as much attention on them this year, which I think bodes well for them. I think they can go into the season, hopefully, and, you know, as we get closer, things start to ramp up, it starts to change, but, um, and allows them to maybe get out of the gate with some strong wins, get a good record before that pressure starts to build again on what the Dallas Cowboys are, because I do think they'll be able to. So between a CD lamb and shut up all you haters, Ezekiel Elliott, who looks lighter, quicker, faster, and number one, healthy, who's not going to play in the preseason, a healthy Ezekiel Elliott, I think you can look for that offense to get back to, to being more explosive and with the weapons they have on defense, and if they can duplicate what they did last year. Um, I think this is the team that's flying under the radar. Zeke did come out and say that he was he wants uh, what was it ten thousand yards uh, to be a, he wants to be a Hall of Famer he wants Super Bowl ring that was like his goal for everything. Yeah, can, can I talk about ten thousand yards, Zeke? I thought that was a little bit of a of a low bar. <laughs> the man is already at seventy four hundred yards almost. So you're telling me you only want twenty five twenty six hundred more yards? Like I know he wants the Super Bowl ring in the Hall of Fame and that's great. And if he gets to ten thousand. And he gets a Super Bowl ring in a hall. He's probably yeah, going he to the hall, like because yeah. there's not many running backs that are doing that nowadays. But I would have liked that number that he said to be thirteen thousand. Would have been nice. trying to do it for five more years. So, uh, although he probably wouldn't be a Cowboy doing that, but I, I think he can have a bounce back here this year and bounce back. I don't know what that means. He had a thousand and ten touchdowns last year, whatever it was. But I think it could be twelve, thirteen hundred yard season again for Zeke if he remains healthy. And Jerry Jones did come out and say they are wanting to feature Ezekiel Elliott. I know everybody got fooled last year because he was banged up and they were running a lot of Pollard. He said, Zeke is our guy. We are going to run him. And don't be surprised if it looks a lot like DeMarco Murray in 2014. No, he's getting older. No, he's on his way out. And they don't have to pay him to wear him all the way down and then say goodbye. Yeah, and they they want to use that Tony Pollard whenever, just in in spurts is what I I saw about how that's what they're they're pushing for. Uh, I did I did just pull this for you, the C.D. Lamb play that you mentioned, burning Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, and and, and let's be honest, like that's a training camp play all the way. Uh, you see those in training camp a thousand times. Diggs know he got you know his had bad leverage. He got beat right there when he didn't. He thought he was coming back on a comeback route or something. Stopped. He paused. He was burnt. Um, get on digs, but I just like I just like and, and that's that, that CD lamb, and, and that that's what I feel like is going to end up. As a lot of people are just going to be talking about Trayvon Diggs's actual coverage skills. We saw a lot of interceptions yeah. last year, uh, and the knock on him was his actual coverage, his man to man type coverage skills. Um, but that play really should not uh, concern you the most uh, at all, if, if any. Um, but one last thing on the Cowboys side side of things. What is one of your kind of concerns or what are you keeping your eye out on through training camp preseason or maybe early on in the in the regular season? What are you as a Cowboys fan looking into the most for this team? For me, it's the offensive line. Um, for a long time, the Cowboys were lauded as having one of the best offensive lines in football. And yeah, you still got guys on the offensive line like a, a Tyron Smith and you know, Zach Martin, the kind of the anchors that have been there a while. But when you're talking about uh, Tyler Beadish, who who been okay, they expected more from him ever since they lost Travis Frederick. He's been okay. They really want more from him. Terrence Steele on the right side has been a project for a couple of years now. Every time he fills in for Tyron Smith, he gets burned off the edge. There, He's on the right side now as a starter. I think that he'll have to kind of 
get his footing and make sure that he's making that progress that they want. But uh, the new guy, Tyler Smith, slotted in as the starter right now. Connor McGovern is there, but he's never been really what they were looking for. I think Tyler Smith and the strides that he's taking in camp is going to be super important for how well that offense runs for the Dallas Cowboys. Because as that offensive line goes, the rest of the Dallas Cowboys go. It's been that way since 2014 in that big year from DeMarco Murray and Tony Romo and them boys. It's when that offensive line is really good, that Cowboys offense is really good. So I'm hoping that they can gel and be better than they have been over the past two seasons. Uh, But it's going to take some time. Tyler Smith is young. Tyler Smith has a lot to learn. But there are a lot of promising things that are coming out of camp about Tyler, Tyler Smith. And remember, there was a guy in camp or in the draft, Matt Waletsko. I had mentioned a number of times in the draft. He's he's also on the roster from North, North Dakota. I think that could be a guy that might be one of those versatile players that we fill in. Maybe he goes and replaces a Terrence Hill. Maybe Tyler Smith or Tyron Smith has to miss some games. We can kind of move him around. I think that's going to be a key piece on getting him up to speed. So he's that first guy off the bench type lineman that when we get an injury, they can throw him in there. And I think that's going to I, I remember I liked Tyler Smith coming out of the draft out of Tulsa, although I thought that it was and even even during the draft, we thought, oh, this was uh, maybe a reach for the Dallas Cowboys. Thought maybe you could get him later on in the draft, but he's still a player that is a very physical, very aggressive and, and nasty type of offensive lineman. I think his biggest knock is that discipline. Um, but I think he could he could very well put it all together and be another solid offensive lineman uh, for a, a Dallas Cowboys offense that you just said. I mean, it runs through that offensive line. Um, that's Cowboys camp. Let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. And yesterday, they almost reached into 100 degrees at practice. It was also their longest practice of camp. Jalen Hurts did not look so great, although the temperature – he didn't look so hot, although the temperatures were hot. He was without both of his starting left ta- – both of his left tackles, his starting left tackle, Emelieta and Andre Dillard, both are out with concussions, which is wild because they have those fancy little little uh, pads on top of their helmets, but somehow they're out with a concussion. I digress. Uh, he was also out with uh, – out um, Devontae Smith, who was battling a groin injury – the Eagles say that they're going to be very cautious. He is day-to-day. They're going to take it very slow with Devontae Smith. But Jalen Hurts did not look so great. He does have A.J. Uh, Brown there. The Eagles added a whole lot of pieces to this team in the offseason. Aaron, what player are you most excited to see in camp and during the season for the Eagles? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see um, – <laughs> I'm really excited to see Jordan Mailata. Not mainly yet. Honestly, it was, I knew I was going to get called out for that. And I saw it in the doc I'm reading and like my brain is going so fast and I knew I should have spelled it out the way it's written, the way it's said, but I didn't, I decided to go like a jackass and just do something that I shouldn't have done. And that's, that's a, yeah. Who cares how you say his name? He's a really good offensive lineman. One of the better left tackles in football. So um, no, I, I think there's only one thing here. And I know I've mentioned their secondary hasn't been the greatest, but you got great Bradbury now over there and Darius Slay. It's two, you know, really good cornerbacks. Uh, it's all about Jalen Hurts. Can't have. I, I'm, I know it's training camp, and I'm the first one to be like, oh, don't worry about it. Can't have the talk out of camp be, oh, Jalen Hurts didn't have a great day again today. Oh, Jalen Hurts didn't look that great today. Because he is the question mark on this football team. This is what they've been trying to figure out since the Carson went, since the Nick Foles drama is – 
Jalen Hurts going to be our future quarterback or not? This is why they traded another first-round draft pick to get one next year to say, you know what? Let's give Jalen Hurts another year. Let's go add A.J. Brown. We've given him enough now. He has to show us that he's the future. Jalen Hurts cannot afford to come into this season mediocre. He is not going to last. And it's not, it's not fair. I'll be honest. There's quarterbacks in the league that are getting far more chances than Jalen Hurts will get if he doesn't succeed this year. But if he looks bad this year, he's mediocre. Or there's any questions about whether he can be the future of the Philadelphia Eagles or not, next year the Eagles will be drafting quarterback in the first round because the class is deep, because there's a lot of talent in there, and because they never really – really fully invested in Jalen Hurts. They've always been these question marks lingering around the organization. So for me, it's all about Jalen Hurts. Uh, he has a lot of pressure on him. Do I think he can do it? I think he can. I think he has the skill set to grow and get better, but it has to translate into actual skill set of a quarterback, the accuracy. Uh, you can't complete 59% of your pass. You gotta, you have to be making strides and improving in areas that you didn't look good in last year, especially that playoff game when he struggled mightily against Tampa Bay. So. Um, I look for him. That's all I'm really watching. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, that offensive line, the defensive line, which has been really good, added to Jordan Davis. You bring over or you get uh, N'Kobe Dean in the draft, and you already have guys like Kazir White, Hassan Reddick that you brought over, Derek Barnett on the front of that line, and then the two guys in the back end of that defense that you mentioned. I think their team as a whole is a really talented roster. But for whatever reason, it's not equating to, oh, I think this team is going to be good enough to get to a certain level. And I think it's directly pointed at the quarterback position. Yeah. And he, and then and, and like you almost like, like you said with the Cowboys, they, they run through the offensive line. This Eagles team is going to run through Jalen hurts. And that's, that's how it's going to be. They have playmakers everywhere. Now. I mean, they're, they loaded up defensively bringing in James Bradbury, obviously Darius Slay on the other side. One note though, you brought up a certain player and I'm very interested to see in the comments from our Eagles fans, how they've been feeling about Nakobe Dean through training camp, because from what I've seen, he's been very quiet. There's nothing really to talk. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that you're not hearing that much about Nakobe Dean. Maybe you're not hearing the bad thing. Maybe there's just no bad things and there's just really no great things for Nakobe Dean through training camp. Um, but I know that he's been very quiet. And they've been very quiet about about him during camp. So Eagles fans in the comments, let us know what your thoughts are on what you're seeing from Nicobe Dean and what you hope to see uh, during the regular season. Do you have any thoughts on, on the Nicobe Dean chat? Yeah, I, I don't want to say like I told you so. But he he got some first team reps just due to, you know, some they give first team reps to guys. Um, he is it's going to be hard for him to be as special as he was at UGA going to be hard for him to be that special in the NFL. Undersized, um, doesn't have great speed. In college, he had great speed. In the NFL, that speed is not great anymore. So um, that being as undersized as he is, having injury concerns, it's going to take a Herculean effort for N'Kobe Dean to be special. This is why when your Jaguars took Chad Muma, I said, I liked that move over getting a N'Kobe Dean because I think Chad Muma is the type of guy that – is going to make a difference in the NFL. So, again, I'm not knocking the dope N'Kobe Dean's game. I think he can play in the NFL. I just don't think he'll ever be that special guy. The more I watch him, the more I pay attention to his being undersized and inability to really get off of big linemen, I worry about his longevity as, as a star or even being a starter in the NFL. I think he'll have to fill in somewhere as a backup, get his opportunities, and he might get that opportunity this year with Philly. And when he gets that opportunity, 
he will have to be super special in order to never relinquish that bat. But it's going to be a difficult kind of path for him. Um, so it's not surprising that we're not hearing special things from the Kobe Dean in, in training camp. The NFL game is not college. And we, we do this all the time where he was so good at Georgia. And they, you know, you had Trayvon Walkers and, you know, I mean, Lewis C, we can talk about all the guys on Georgia's defense last year and think about the leader of that defense. It was N'Kobe Dean. All those guys yeah. that were drafted high, they looked up to N'Kobe Dean, and N'Kobe Dean, last one drafted, wasn't, isn't being highly touted as some NFL player because the measurables of him weren't there. But yet he has the mind. He's a super high IQ guy, and he has the want and the will and the leadership. But sometimes that skill level at the NFL level doesn't match yeah. that. Doesn't match that. So he has to work yeah. 10 times harder and is going to need, again, a Herculean effort to really break through that. I don't want to say glass. Yeah. Uh, breaks through to where he really wants. He has been working at, he has been working with the ones. He has been getting a lot of starting reps through training camp. Um, but again, no, nothing special. A lot of people are, are still looking for that. A lot of reporters I've seen are, are still noting that they're looking for him to do something special in camp. Uh, but uh, from the reports I've seen in his quotes, he's taking a student of the game approach and leaning heavily on the leadership that the Eagles have, which I mean, they have a ton of great guys to look up to in that locker Especially room. On that Jason, yeah. From your, from your Jason Kelsey on offense to your Fletcher Cox. And I mean, this is, it's a loaded team to be able to, to have that kind of leadership. And it's going to be huge for the development of Nicobe Dean. Let's move on to the Washington commanders. This will be the first year of commanders football in the NFL with their quarterback, Carson Wentz leading the way. Aaron, this team has a lot of uh, this is this is a team heading in a completely new direction, whether that direction is up or down. It is to be determined. But Carson Wentz is going to be leading the way for this team who has to step up the most in training camp and in the season for the Washington Commanders. It's got heartburn so bad when you mentioned Carson Wentz's name. Um, I mentioned it uh, a lot, too. It, it, yeah, that almost made me ill. Um, I had a really good Mexican food for dinner, and it almost came back up because Carson Yikes. And it's going to be mentioned a lot more because when you talk about step up, it's Carson Wentz. And I know these are the easy answers when I'm talking quarterbacks, and we talk about who needs to take the next step. But many of these teams are teams we talked about. As you look at their rosters, and you're like, man, they have a good roster. Washington's no different. We can, we can pick apart Washington's roster and maybe say it's not the best in the league. But when you really look from top to bottom, from number one to number 53 or 45 on an active day, they have a pretty good lineup. The wide receiver position is loaded with Florin and Dotson and Curtis Samuel. Running backs, they got them everywhere. Gibson and Brian Robinson and McKissick. Defense, they got one of the best defensive lines in football. Uh, maybe some of the back end of that secondary can use some work, but they go get a Kendall Fuller's there. William Jackson, who was one of the better defenders on Cincinnati a few years ago, they're loaded pretty much throughout their lineup with talented guys. The one question mark has been the quarterback. It's all about Carson Wentz. Can Carson Wentz stop being the turd that he is <laughs> and making excuses, turning the football over in inopportune times and be the Carson Wentz that he was when he was, you know, 11 and three or whatever it was, 17 touchdowns or three interceptions, MVP favorite before the injury and, and get back to that form. I've told you, I don't believe in him. I don't think it's possible. Um, I don't think it changes in Washington, but that is what they need. They need that guy. They need Carson Wentz to prove me wrong. If they get Carson Wentz, 
from the year he was supposed to be the MVP, the, the proving the Aaron wrong MVP, Carson Wentz, this team will be right there in the NFC East, have a chance to win the division, and be fighting in the playoffs for a deep playoff run. Do you think that this is the best coaching staff Carson Wentz has had in his career? So no. far, or no, so no. I know we, I know Doug Peterson I know. won a championship. Frank Wright has been That's lauded as one of the better coaches in football. Okay. And Ron Rivera, I, I'm, don't get me wrong, I love Ron Rivera. He's been to a Super Bowl, but no, Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl ring, man, with a team okay. that shouldn't have won a Super Bowl. Nick, Nick Foles, man. Nick like, Foles. Like, no, they, no, no. Okay. That, I just and, to, and to be even more fair, Ron Rivera is not a quarterback guy. Doug Peterson was a quarterback guy. Like, Doug Peterson is like the quarterback developed. That's why the Jaguars team goes out and gets him to develop a Trevor Lawrence. That's why he came from, you know, Kansas City, where those quarterbacks were from. Like, Ron Rivera is great, but he's more of a defensive mind, known as a defensive guy. This is about Carson Wentz and himself. I'm, I'm just looking to see, to find things, and maybe Commanders fans in the comments can let me know about this. I'm looking to find things that tell me that this is going to be different for Carson Wentz. Like what may, maybe that maybe Ron Rivera being the smart head coach that he is not saying that he's been better than Frank Reichen clearly have said that. And Doug Peterson, but Ron Rivera being the smart coach that he is, maybe he kind of pulls it back for Carson Wentz and doesn't allow him to make those same mistakes that we've seen him in the past. Maybe the, I, maybe that's why they drafted Brian Robinson. Vinny, maybe they're maybe Vinny, they're going Vinny, all in on Vinny, this rushing attack. Vinny, they had Jonathan Taylor that's who true. ran the ball seventeen million four hundred seventy six thousand times I'm last year, here. I'm and reaching. he's still throwing the ball over his head. Can't beat that? the Jacksonville Jaguars in Week Seventeen to clinch a playoff berth because of Carson Wentz. This is, I'll say it again, the Carson Wentz issue is Carson Wentz and himself. He needs to stop being sensitive. He needs to stop letting people get in his mind. He needs to be a better leader. He needs to play better. And he needs to stop making excuses for when he makes mistakes. He needs to own them, take control of the locker room, and be a leader. I don't know if it's in him because it's been the same story his entire career. If they don't make the playoffs this year, is this Carson Wentz's last year? As a starting last quarterback? Should have been last. But yes, okay. listen, if, if Washington commanders don't, I don't even want to say make the playoffs. It's, it's hard to make the playoffs in the NFL. It is, yes. But if they go seven and nine, six, or what is it now? Seven and 10, six yep. and 11. Why in God's green earth would the Washington Commanders bring him back? Why would they not go out and look for a franchise? Uh, again, Wait. looking at the roster, you have everything in place. Everything. Yeah. I mean, you can point, and again, you can nitpick it. But they're not bad anywhere. They're not bad on any side of the ball. And, except and at the quarterback position. Except at the quarterback position, yeah. which is obviously the most important. But he has to win games for them. Those games that are tight and they end up losing, those are the games he has to turn into wins. Otherwise, he's just like Taylor Heineke. He's just like the guy before him. <laughs> we, we've talked about, and this will be the last commander's question here, we've talked about the some coaches in the NFL having an easier time switching the quarterback up. Do you think that we may see a Sam Howell or maybe even a Taylor Heineke um, during the season if Carson Wentz does underperform? There, there's no. We will see Taylor Heineke. Okay. By, by 
either by benching because he's playing bad or wow. injury. Uh, Taylor Heineke wow. will will start games. So the investment doesn't matter in car because I mean they did I mean they traded some good draft capital for well, some decent draft. Okay, all right. Right, they didn't give up anything for Carson. I'm, I'm reaching here. I'm reaching the only here. Thing, the only thing they did is they, they brought in a quarterback that is, again, has quote-unquote upside because we've seen him have a really good season. Yeah. So they call that upside. And that, that's what they traded for. They're hoping they can get that form back again. But let, let's be honest, man. There's no investment in, these, in this player to, to say, you know what? We're playing like crap. He's playing like crap. We, we can't bench him. Oh, you yeah. can. You've watched Taylor Heineke at least be competitive in a playoff game against Tom Brady. So I know he wasn't great last year, but you know what you're getting with Taylor Heineke. The unknown of Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders is probably going to drive them crazy in regards to playoff. Yeah, he was serviceable. Heineke was serviceable. And that may that may be what all they need to get, at least to the playoffs. Um, but Commanders fans, let us know in the comments what you guys think about Carson Wentz and tell us why you think this may be different for Wentz and the Commanders this season. Let's wrap things up with the New York Giants and their training camp has been going underway with new head coach Brian Dayball leading the way. The former offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills is bringing a whole new regime to New York with Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, their two first, their two top 10 picks in Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. This team on paper doesn't look that bad. I'm going to say right now, the New York Giants on paper do not look that bad. They're still a young, promising team, but Brian Dable takes over, brings in his offense, brings in his schemes. What does that new offense look like and how does that affect Daniel Jones and these pass catchers for the New York Giants. Yeah, I believe Kenny Galladay said it best. He said this offense is wide receiver friendly. Well, yeah, it's wide receiver friendly. You remember when he was in <laughs> Buffalo, they ran the ball zero times and a half? Yeah, of course it's wide receiver friendly when your quarterback is dropping back that many times. Um, I don't anticipate that to be the case when you got a Saquon Barkley behind you and you got Daniel Jones at quarterback. But to, to his point, I think it's fair. I think Kenny Galladay, I think uh, Wendell Robinson, I think a Kadarius Tony, a Sterling Shepard, those guys are going to get ample opportunity to show out and help Daniel Jones develop. This is it for Daniel Jones. So he has one opportunity to make light of, hey, I'm an NFL quarterback. I belong here. I should get that contract. Brian Dable is going to give him every opportunity. And I mentioned this before. Daniel Jones is a big body, athletic, strong-armed quarterback. Well, Brian Dable just had that in Josh Allen. Is Daniel Jones Josh Allen? No, but I think there are some similarities and things he can do with him that is going to be comfortable for that offense. So um, I look for them to get the wide receivers involved early, but I do think he's going to lean on Saquon Barkley. Barkley talked about him being feeling like the best shape of his career, and I know we hear this every year with players, but it's a year removed from the, the ACL injury. We talked about sometimes how long that takes, and I know he had lingering stuff. I think he is going to be more explosive this year as long as he can stay healthy. And that is going to help the, the, the Giants. And we talked about the offensive line. For years, this offensive line just let Daniel Jones down. They didn't do anything to help develop Daniel Jones. And now they're, they're kind of dealing with the repercussions of that. Well, they went out and addressed it. They drafted Evan Neal. They go out and get a John Feliciano, a Mark Lewinsky. These guys are, Andrew Thomas has developed. These guys are going to help shape what Daniel Jones is able to do in this offense. And I think Brian Dable will do a good job of getting that started. Um, the biggest problem for the Giants is going to be putting it all together because they do have a lot of intriguing pieces, as you mentioned. 
Like it doesn't look bad on paper. All the pieces they added, Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams is there. Defense still strong, even though they lose um, oh my, the, the corner. <laughs> Bradbury, James, James Bradbury. Bradbury. Yeah, even though they lose him, they still got an, uh, an Adoree Jackson and Xavier McKinney in that back end. So it's intriguing, but is it going to translate to wins? And I think that's where we're kind of looking uh, to see Brian Dable take that offense to the next level uh, with Daniel. I'm not sure if this is a common thing in training camps, but I it did hear the other day about how uh, Xavier McKinney and Daniel Jones have been calling the plays for the offense of the offense and the defense during training camp. They have been like, there's been certain times in camp where they'll go, they'll go a whole series and Xavier McKinney will be calling the plays on defense going one, going head to head, calling the plays on offense of Daniel Jones. Like I thought that was really cool. I don't know if that's Wait, what? if that Xavier McKinney was talking about how Brian Dable has been giving them power like control basically to call the plays to physically oh, call oh. the plays on defense and offense for game and then daniel jones does it for offense and they basically go head to head between offense and defense with the xavier mckinney call yeah, plays yeah. and the daniel jones type plays i'm not sure if that is a common thing with other training camps in the nfl but i thought that, that was very cool and i, mean, I it, it's common when you got quarterbacks like a uh, matt ryan peyton manning not common when your quarterback sucks as bad as Daniel Jones well, so to give him that kind so of power. Maybe that's a maybe that's a good thing because there was the, the other things I was seeing about about this this new regime in New York and 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 talking with Daniel Jones and it's they're letting him almost like what you said the other day about Trey Lance about what the San Francisco 49ers need, need to do with Trey Lance they need to let him fail. They need to be have him be able to learn. And I know Daniel Jones has had plenty of time to like, fail he's and learn for three straight years. <laughs> he has, but this is this four, is four. under the, the new the new system here to where okay, they'll let him fail and then have him go through the re, the building process with Brian Dable. And I honestly I think this is the perfect situation for Brian Dable with Daniel Jones, and if he fails. If he fails, then the Giants are primed to have a good team around whatever quarterback they draft next year. Yeah. If he if he succeeds, then they have their franchise quarterback in Daniel Jones, and they can continue moving forward in the right direction. I think everything is in place for the New York Giants to start taking the right the right steps, whether it's they suck this year, but then they get their franchise quarterback or they already have their franchise quarterback and then they can start moving towards battling for the NFC. So I think it's a good situation in New York for Ryan Dayball. I guess I would just worry about the, the point where you mentioned like giving him leeway to let him fail like a trail. Like he doesn't have the time to do that because he's not in a situation where he's under contract for some length of time. If he fails this year, he is not a New York giant. So Correct. what kind of service are you doing for him to say, go out and figure it out. We will well, adjust as we go. And then, a, and then come week seven, eight years, you suck. And there's no time for that adjustment. <laughs> He's out the door at the end of the season. So if you want to develop this guy, you have to start from day one developing, not allowing him to make those mistakes. You have to say, this is what we're trying to do with you. If you want to get to the next level, these are the things you, you have to do because otherwise you're wasting a season. And I, I get it. They're going to draft a guy next year anyways, but what is the point of having Daniel Jones? You might as well just stick in Sam Howell and do that. Then you'll know if you got a future quarterback and don't have to waste the first. They don't time. have Sam Howell. They have Tyrod Taylor, though. 
The Giants didn't oh, yeah. draft Sam Howell, though, did they? Oh, oh yeah. I forgot that. He's on the watch. That's, that's the man. That's the man. Well, we, we, will, we will see Sam Howell. Well, to, actually, to that point, I mean, yeah, it's not a rookie. But I'd rather bring Tyrod Taylor and say, we're going to try to win this year. Like, I don't want to watch Daniel Jones. Hey, go sink or swim, and we'll adjust as we go because we want to give you the free reins because you've failed all these years. Like, I think Brian Dable has to rein him in and say, these are the things you need to do as a quarterback to be successful in the NFL. If you can't do them for me, you're not going to be. I don't need him to say, hey, you know what? Go show me what you can do, and we'll decide what we're going to do with you at the end of the year. It's not why Brian Dable's there. He's there to just fix Daniel Jones. To To figure it all out. To yeah. figure it all out, and if it, it goes wrong, Bryce when? Young or when? CJ Stroud. When? When? Oh, no when? faith, no faith in Danny, Danny Dimes. I don't have faith that the New York Giants are going to win enough games to force them to keep Daniel. I'm not saying he's going to play like crap because I, I, I've actually grown to like Daniel Jones. Like I think the skill set is something that could be molded into something great. I don't know who's going to do it. But I don't think the time is going to be there this season for Dable to install that offense, get Daniel Jones on board with that team, and it's going to translate into enough wins to where at the end of the season they say, you know what, we're going to bring Daniel Jones back. I, I, I don't see that. Like what, 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 what does a record look like this year for Daniel Jones in order for them to bring him back? We've got a loss to the Titans. A lot. Ah, we're going deep, baby. We're going deep. Yeah, I, yeah, I did this. I did this for this to end the show on this <laughs> note. This is what we do here. We, we got a loss to the Titans. Toss up against the Panthers, maybe? Yeah, I or, mean, we can give them basically every toss up game if you want to give it to them. That would be the best. Okay, so one and one, one and two, two and two, two and three, two and four. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'll let you make that call. Two and five, two and six. I can't see them going on the road to Seattle and winning. So that's two and six. I'll give them three and six after the bye. Give them four uh, and six. I don't be, I don't believe they'll beat Detroit, but they're at home. Give them four and six. Four and six. It's the Dallas. Four and seven. They'll split with and, Washington and Philly. Just say okay, that. So so four and eight, four and eight, four and nine. Five and nine, five and ten, five and eleven, and six, six and eleven. Six so and six 11. and eleven with Danny Dimes is that's and that's and that's that's giving them basically the toss-up games, maybe except for the Jaguars game that you didn't give them. Maybe they I, go seven and ten. Eight and nine is a great season for them. That's what we'd be talking about. Are you signing? Are you saying you know what we're going to pick your pick up your fifth year option, Daniel Jones? I think it depends on. I think it depends on how he plays, though. I don't think you I could guess. say. I, I don't think you could say because just just for what you said at the beginning of this whole talk about Daniel Jones and Brian Dable, the comparison between Daniel Jones and Josh Allen and having Brian Dable come in. I mean, what has been the Giants' records for the past few years? I mean, they haven't been. I mean, seven and nine is an upgrade from what they have been. So, so well, yeah, they were three and nine, five and nine, four and seven. So they go seven. So, so they go seven and ten. Daniel Jones goes 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. You picking up the fifth option? <sighs> it's the same touchdown to interception ratio they had as a rookie. I think I am. Oh, I think God. I am. Come on. Because if you think about it, though, if they're seven and 10, 
their draft position might not even be in a position where you're going to be able to get some one of the, I mean, look at, if you look at this draft class, we've gone really deep on this giants talk, by the way, <laughs> the way deeper than I thought we would go. Um, but I mean, you look at this draft class, I mean, Bryce young, CJ Stroud, and obviously the names come out of the woodworks during the season. And I don't think that they're going to be in, in at seven and 10. I don't think that they have a chance to get Bryce young or CJ Stroud. Although with only a few teams needing a quarterback, this draft, maybe they do end up trading up or finding a way to have one of those guys. I just, I don't know, man. I just cannot see a way if they go seven and 10. And if Daniel Jones is just, I think if Daniel Jones is just average to slightly above average, I think seven and 10 was a top 12 pick. Yes. This year, seven and 10 was a top 10 pick this year. Yes. Correct. Correct. I mean, I don't, I just, I just, (laughs) man, it's tough. It's tough. I, I, Give me the I'm call. I'm not paying Daniel Jones unless he's pushing for a playoff spot. And then, and, it, and then it's still close. It's very similar to the Baker Mayfield conversation. Because at the end of the day, this is not about whether Daniel Jones can play in the NFL. Do I think he can play? Sure. Do I think he can go start for some team, mediocre team, and win some games and lose? Sure. The NFL is about finding the guy that is going to take you to championship. You're talking about yeah. a quarterback that would have now been in the league four years. His improvement that we've seen, the jump, the big leap that we've been looking for is going yeah. seven and ten with the 24 touchdown to 12 interception ratio. I'm sorry. What that about, is not the Giants to the Super Bowl? What about the money? Does that is that a is that another factor that would say okay? Because you have to pay him that fifth year option. Is that yeah. fifth year option like a big hit to their cap to where like it would put them in a shittier spot? Or is it like yeah. an okay? Well, Bakers was where, 18. Yeah, that's fair. Think about I it. Just, was 18. So I, I, I just want to look this up, and this can be the wrap-up on everything here with the Giants. But, I mean, if the Giants – let's say the Giants have pick 10 in the draft, you can't imagine Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are there, right? Oh, maybe. So, maybe so the next best quarterback, Spencer Rattler, quarterback out of South Carolina. Anybody that's projected in the top, in the top 20 picks as a quarterback, I'm, I'm targeting. And they're supposed to be like six. I think it's supposed to be like six guys next year, right? So the list that I have here, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Spencer Rattler, uh, Jaron Hall from BYU, Anthony Richardson from Florida, uh, Will Levi's from Kentucky, uh, Jake Hayner from Fresno State, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, uh, Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, and Hendon Hooker from Tennessee are the top 10 quarterbacks based on from the site that I'm on. Um, but either way, though, I just I just I guess you could take your shot and start you. And, and again, the other point that you could bring up with Daniel Jones here is that there is no investment from there's nothing tied to Daniel Jones with Brian Dable. He could start fresh with his new quarterback, whoever that may be in this draft class. Maybe you don't give them the fifth year option. Maybe you can. Yeah, I would imagine there's going to be three to four quarterbacks taken in the top 10 next year. That includes probably Cam Ward, Anthony Richardson, who I don't even think you had Cam Ward on the list. I didn't Uh, have that. He wasn't on this top 10 quarterbacks list. So so Cam Ward, Cam Ward, Anthony Richardson, guys like that, I believe are going to go in the top 10. So that's four in the top 10, probably six in the first round altogether. 
I think if you're the Giants, you're taking a quarterback. Like, I don't think there's a, a question mark. He has to be so special this year that if a Will Levis at 20 is not intriguing you enough to say, you know what, I'd rather have Will Levis. Even if we finished seven and 10 and we got the 18th pick in the draft, I'd rather take a Will Levis than a Daniel Jones and do this all over again and have the same question year five because you pick up the option. Guess what happens? You're in another bridge year where you say, yeah. show us again. And then there may be the quarterback classes in this. You know, we didn't, well, one thing, one player we didn't mention, Jimmy Garoppolo. Giants. <laughs> All right. He's not going to the Giants. He's not going to the Giants. Wait, I, I, had a, I, you know, I had the weirdest. It was the strangest dream. I swear to God, this actually happened. I dreamt of a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. And you know where he ended up? The Wait. Houston Texans. I don't poor, see that ever poor. happening. Uh, yeah. Wild <laughs> dream. But it's. I'm, I'm very upset that I dreamt of a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. That my life is now surrounded by. It's just this. Jimmy G's going back to New England. Bill Belichick's going to bring Jimmy G back and and bench Mac Jones. What a turn. I know know that's two days in a row I've had Mac Jones bench. One for Bailey Zappi and the other one for Jimmy Garoppolo. But still. We're just just building. You know what we're building to? We're building to those bold predictions that are going to start coming next week, the week after, the week after that, because we are going, we're kicking into full gear with our football coverage. You are not going to want to be anywhere else but the Sac City Podcast. Follow us on all of our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Sac City Pod. Our content is coming out hot and heavy. Like I say, you're not going to want to miss a single second of Sac City Pod coverage. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us to or listening to us on. on. Aaron, any last words before we close it out? No, sir. That was a great. That was the end of our training camp preview previews. Uh, preseason goes full in effect next week. We got some uh, fantasy content coming out. We got like you said, the deep dives into these projections and schedule. We're we're breaking down each and every NFL team leading up to the start of the regular season, Thursday, September eighth. I cannot wait. Let's go. Let's go. Sac City versus the world. <laughs> Real great. Bingo, there it is. All right, until next time, for my best friend Aaron Mukes, I am me. We will see you next time. He's out. How was that for some top-tier NFL content? If you enjoyed that episode, go ahead and hit that follow button before you go. And don't forget to check us out on your favorite social media platform at Sac City Pod. Welcome to the city.